Welcome to House Calls with Dr. Connie Mariano. If you're ready to get your physical, emotional, and spiritual life in order, join us for the next hour as we meet some interesting people who will share stories of success and wisdom that you can apply to your own life. Now, here's Dr. Connie. Happy October, everybody. Welcome to Dr. Connie's House Calls for the month of October. Yep, it's that time of month, and it's time for this show, so thanks for listening in. I always like to start off with my honorable mentions. I don't do shout-outs because I don't like to shout at people because it makes me upset, and the whole theme of this show is not to upset anybody because, believe me, there's enough of that out there. So a few of my honorable mentions I like to mention is, number one, Shelly Anderson, who's a dear friend of mine. She's a She runs a marketing company in Phoenix. So hello to you, Shelly. Otto Borsch is a wonderful chef that I met in Dallas many, many years ago. <clears throat> and Otto used to be in the U.S. Navy, which, by the way, celebrated its birthday, I think, about a week ago. Celebrated the Navy birthday. And, uh, and Otto wrote a book entitled Born to be a Chef, and I wrote a blurb on it recently. So hopefully I'll get him on board for one of the shows so we can talk about his life growing up and deciding he wanted to become a chef, joining the Navy, and now doing his charitable work. Uh, to my cousin Neri in North Carolina, who we connected on, believe it or not, 23andMe, we do have the same maternal great-grandparents, so hello to cousin out there. I also want to say to a dear friend, Robin Burning, who I know is listening in today because her father is one of our guests. I've known Robin since the 1990s. Robin was my massage therapist in Old Town, Alexandria, Virginia, at the Sugar House Day Salon. And she was always giving me relief from all my neck and back pain and anxiety when I was at the White House. And she has since moved to Raleigh, North Carolina, where she owns Simple Bliss Spa and Salon. What a great name. She has the best hands. But isn't it all about her hands? It's her energy. It's her healing talent. I just love her. So, Robin, hello to you. Thanks for telling me about your dad, because we're going to have a great show. I also want to say congratulations and hello to my friends, newlyweds Carly Klein and our groom, Nico, who were married on Monday at Pelican Hill. Fabulous, gorgeous wedding, beautiful couple. And of course, to capture all those moments of beauty, Katina Patrickwin was a photographer who did my wedding reception. We interviewed on our last show Carly and Katina about their talents and the things that they do for other people. So congratulations to those wonderful people. Also, hello to Tom Legrelius, Dr. Tom Legrelius, his wife, Patty. He's a concierge medical medicine physician in Huntington Beach, California, excuse me, Torrance, California, has a huge practice there. He is the chair of the American College of Private Physicians, of which I'm a member. He owns his plane. So I said hello to him. We had breakfast together in California on Tuesday, and he's been such a great mentor. I also want to say hello to my Scottsdale friends who are animal lovers, Ford and Susan Schumann and their daughter, Christy Foster. They have these beautiful corgis. They, it's almost like they're competing with Queen Elizabeth. And uh, Susan also has these miniature horses she adores. So hello to you out there. And to my new friends, Rashida White and her husband, Larry, they're the founders and owners of Lolo's Chicken and Waffles. So if you haven't been to Lolo's Chicken and Waffles, go there. Actually, it'll probably help your cholesterol. I always tell people that. And they have six stores, and they're growing. I keep telling Larry to write a story. They are, they are the proud owners of two Portuguese water dogs. Their dogs are Bentley and Tuxedo. So this is a classy group here, Bentley and Tuxedo. And according to Rishita, these are the sons that she and Larry wish they had had. Uh, and I want to do an honorable mention to my friend, Navy retired, Navy Captain Dr. Steve Ferrara, who's running for Arizona's ninth district seat for Congress. He was on my show a couple of months ago. He is brilliant. He's smart. He's got a good heart, great story. He's there to work hard for America and, and the needs of Arizona. So congratulations to you for running, and I hope you win. So this reminds me of the next two things. In the next 30 days, it's very important for you to, to listen. Number one, please vote. Okay. If you haven't sent in your absentee ballot yet, please do so. If you didn't do an absentee ballot, make sure you vote in November. It's your say into a democracy. Realize that many people have died to honor your freedom for your right to vote. So do that. You have no reason to complain about the outcome unless you have put in your vote. So please vote. 
In addition to votes, because it's that time of year, it's also about viruses. Yes, I'm talking flu virus. And I don't know if you remember, <clears throat> but last year it was a horrible, horrible season for flu. In fact, nearly <clears throat> 80,000 Americans died, 80,000 Americans died of the flu last year, according to the CDC. This was influenza's highest death toll in at least 40 years. Now, last year, one of the reasons they think they had so many deaths was because the flu vaccine was not on target, as we hope. They're hoping this year's flu vaccine will be more effective and will be more protective. So the things that they're hearing now from CDC is this current year's strain is less aggressive than last year. But please be prepared uh, if you're 65 or older or if you have underlying lung disease or RNA type of immunosuppressants, please get the high-dose flu shot. If not, get the flu shot. Make sure your, your children are vaccinated. Please make sure you get that. And in recent years, uh, the current rate of deaths was about 12,000 to 56,000. But again, 80,000, way too, too, too much, too many lives that could have been saved from, from that. So please get your flu shot. so important. The other two things I want to mention that came to mind were uh, I couldn't help it. I had to have Sally and I pull over and get our lottery tickets if you're in Arizona and these states that not that I'm getting any commission for it but the lottery Powerball is I think over 400 million and Mega Million is over 900 million so if you want you know you can't win unless you play but then the question I ask for you and I always ask my patients if you won the lottery what would you do? How would your life change? Think about it what would you do? The other is Halloween's coming up, and uh, I'm not a big Halloween person. I know my a lot of my friends are, and my grandkids are, uh, Addie and Alex out there, and my son Andrew and his wife Erin, who are expecting their third baby. We don't know what, what this little one is yet until December, but they always get something set up for Halloween. But, you know, be careful out there when you go trick-or-treating, you know, be safe. Uh, uh, I have here in honor of that, I, I couldn't help it when I bought my lottery tickets, it's one of these pumpkin piggies. <laughs> That's not a real pig, it's just, it's this little toy here and it's in honor of Halloween, so I wanted to share that. The other thing I, that came, comes to mind that really warms my heart, and, and, and I read about it a few weeks ago, and it's, it involves science, because you know, as a physician I'm always interested in science, and involves the Physics Nobel Prize, which was announced a few weeks ago. <clears throat> and the awardees really excited me and warmed my heart because the Nobel Prize in Physics went to a trio of laser pioneers, which included the first woman to earn the award in more than half a century. And that's to Donna Strickland. She's a physicist at the University of Waterloo in Canada. And so she shared half the 2018 Nobel Prize with her former graduate school supervisor, Dr. Jared Moreau, who is at the Ecole Polytechnique in France and also University of Michigan. And they worked together on their project at the University of Rochester, Minnesota. And what was incredible was, was Dr. Strickland did her work that earned her the Nobel Prize in Physics when she was only a graduate student. Can you imagine that, just a grad student? So, and their work involved how to amplify the intensity of laser light in ever briefer pauses or pulses. And what that did, that work with lasers led to precision eye surgery that we use nowadays that ophthalmologists use, in addition to targeted cancer therapy and many innovations that we use that use bursts of light that are measured in billionths of a billionth of a second. Can you imagine that? Billionths of a billionth of a second? So I found Dr. Strickland, Professor Strickland, very inspiring in the fact that it's been more than a century of Nobel Prize winners. We've only had 49 women who've been awarded that prize for chemistry, medicine, economics, and other categories, but only two of them have been in physics. The two women, can you name them? Dr. Marie Curie, uh, who won the Nobel Prize in Physics in 1903, and then 60 years later, Dr. Maria Geppert Mayer won it in 1963, so incredible. The third winner, the third recipient of Nobel Prize in Physics really made me smile because I find that particularly inspiring, is Dr. Arthur Ashkin. He's an American physicist who worked at Bell Labs in New Jersey, and he developed a way to use laser light as tweezers to grip viruses, bacteria, and living cells. 
Want you to know how old this gentleman is? He is 96 years old. He proved that you can never be too old to be awarded the Nobel Prize in Physics. And when they told him about his award, award, he told the Nobel officials he might not be able to be available for interviews about the award because he was very busy working on his next scientific paper. I just love it. So by the county's calculation, Dr. Ashkin at 96 is the oldest person to receive the prize. So it's never too late for you scientists out there. So I'm going to segue now, speaking of prizes and the things that we hold in high esteem, I'm going to segue into something else, a topic of something that many of us hold in high esteem and that we truly cherish and prize. And you know what that is? It's our pets. It's the animals that bring us joy and unconditional love. And one of the quotes that always comes to mind that's attributed to former president, late president, Harry Truman is this, if you want a friend in Washington, get a dog, right? Now, of course, you can get a cat, you can get a bird, you can get, who knows, a tarantula, whatever, a snake, but get a dog. Well, you don't have to be in Washington to want a dog as a friend. And I think it's, it's one of the things that you don't necessarily have to have a dog, but you have to, I think, have something in your life that brings you love, attention, unconditional love. It warms your heart. And so this show is dedicated to our pets, the, the, these animals who bring us great love and great joy. And we love our pets. There are studies that show that animals, our pets, prolong our life. Back when I write my next book, which I ultimately need to do on the 11 presidential secrets to longevity, one of those secrets, the letter P, is pets. Because I can show you many American presidents, I don't know about a current one, but they have had animals or pets that bring him, them unconditional love. And so our lives are enriched by our animal friends. And also, one of the things that we think of, it saddens us, is what happens when we lose them. Somebody asked a CEO one time about what was the hardest thing about having a pet. And her response was, it, it's the saying goodbye that's the painful thing. And I think of that if my sister Lori in California, who I remember calling me a year ago, with sobbing tears. I thought, oh my God, it's my dad who ultimately passed the following year, but it was about losing her dog and she was broken up. It was, it was horrible. It was so devastating because that dog was her baby. And so she was heartbroken. And one of our guests today really brought comfort to my sister. And it was really through the network of connections that I was able to connect again with Gerald Bunch, who is here in studio today and with his wife, Catherine, and they are animal communicators. And Gerald is the father of Robin Burning, who I knew many years ago. In fact, Gerald was at my retirement ceremony at the White House 17 years ago. So 17 years later, we're here in studio. Let me tell a bit, a bit a briefly about Gerald before we go to a quick break, and then we're going to come back and interview him. But Gerald has an amazing background. He is a graduate of the US Naval Academy. He is a fighter pilot, <clears throat> was a naval officer, he's an engineer. He is a man of science, a very skeptical man at that, who, through various changes and interventions in the animal world, has become an animal medium and communicator. He is the author of the book, which I loved reading, entitled Warrior to Whisperer, an Odyssey into the Quantum Field with Oscar the Cat. I think you can get it on Amazon.com. You can also get it on Gerald's website, which is www.gerald, G-E-R-A-L-D, bunch, B-U-N-C-H.com. And you can order his book there. And he's going to tell you a little bit more about his how he does his readings in a second. But I really benefited by reading this. I've been able to refer a lot of people to Gerald to, to give him comfort. So I'm going to, since we have a little time before we break, I want to welcome you, Gerald. Hello. Welcome to our show. Thank you very much. It's an honor to be here and a pleasure to be visiting in Phoenix. Both my wife and I, Catherine, have been here for several days now, and it's it's very, very pleasant. Now, how did your your seminar go Tuesday? You presented at Uni Spiritual Center, and you came out, were able to do a, a, a seminar. What was that about? It was a seminar called The Art and Science of Animal Communication. And we basically cover four areas there. We talk about what animal communication is. Some people don't realize that. If you say animal communication, their eyes roll a little bit. But we give a specific examples of what it's like to talk in a two-way conversation with an animal. Then the next set, uh, next part of the program is um, what is, uh, what's the science behind it? How does it work? 
the next section we talk about why is it important okay you can talk to animals but why do you want to so we talk about why that's important and then we talk about how it's done and then I'm done with that and Catherine takes over and leads people in a seminar to show them how to interview and talk with and get a sense of this feeling of animal communication which Sally participated in and she said she got a good sense of the animal that we presented to her so that was a good example I want to hear more about this because your journey is amazing how this came to be and we're going to bring up Oscar the cat and all the things but we're going to pause for a quick break and then when we come back listeners please tune in after the break we're going to hear Gerald Bunch the animal communicator tell us more about communicating with the animals so stay tuned for more Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Who's your doctor? When I was looking for a doctor, I thought, which person gets the best care of all and whose doctor's credentials are the most carefully reviewed? Well, the answer was obvious. Who looks after the President of the United States? My doctor is the doctor who is taking care of three presidents and their families, Dr. Connie Mariano. I've heard about her. She's board certified in internal medicine and has been practicing medicine for over 30 years. She was at the White House for over nine years and traveled everywhere with the president. Dr. Connie is available to me 24 hours a day, seven days a week by email, cell phone, or Skype. And when I see her in her private office in Scottsdale, she and her staff always treat me like I'm the president. I'm going to call her office now and join her practice. Dr. Connie Mariano, this is the doctor American presidents and their families have trusted with their lives, and I trust you with mine. For information about Dr. Connie Mariano's private practice, you need to visit drcmariano.com. Are you ready to live younger, longer? Andrew and Aaron Stevens with Apply Everyday Health are partnered with a 100-year-old company to help you build health through natural approaches. Our scientists believe that the key to a healthy lifestyle lies within nature. By using ingredients proven to be safe and effective, our products provide nutrition guaranteed to change your life in a positive way. To find out how you can get the same top-of-the-line vitamins taken daily by Olympic athletes, astronauts, and the White House doctor herself, visit applyeveryday.com. Are you a game changer in disguise? Are you tired of waking up every day saying, they soar like eagles and I'm stuck in the nest? Well, wonder no more. It's time to soar. Of the world's millionaires, billionaires, and game changers, almost all started with at least one unique idea. Join Crystal for a controversial look at triumphs, tragedies, tools, and secrets for living a fun, financially free life with their successful guests. Listen to Soaring with Eagles, Tuesdays at 9 a.m. Pacific time on Voice America Empowerment and get ready to soar. If you think you've seen online TV before, let us surprise you. VoiceAmerica.tv is online now. The leader in live internet talk radio has done it again. Multiple channels, a state-of-the-art viewing experience, live and on-demand programs streaming 24 hours a day. It's exactly what you want, when you want it. VoiceAmerica.tv. From health and wellness to business, sports, and everything in between. Discover our new world. Visit VoiceAmerica.tv now and experience the future of online television. VoiceAmerica.tv. Friend us on Facebook to keep up with what's empowering the world. Voice America Empowerment. You are tuned in to House Calls with former White House physician, Dr. Connie Mariano. If you have a question or comment for our show today, please call in to 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. You may also send an email to drconnieradio at gmail.com. That's drconnieradio at gmail.com. Now, back to House Calls with Dr. Connie. Thanks for tuning in. We've got a great show today. We have in studio retired Navy Commander Gerald Bunch, who's the author of Warrior to Whisper, an odyssey with, within the quant, into the quantum field with Oscar the Cat. And Gerald just had a workshop at Unity of Phoenix and actually is, is available for any workshops throughout the country where he teaches audience how to communicate with animals. But can you backtrack a little bit? Tell us, here you are, Navy pilot, and then you went and became a... a uh, uh, pilot for the airlines how did you make that journey to 
re- communicating with animals? Yeah, that's a very interesting question I ask myself sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> I was an engineer. I graduated from the Naval Academy and studied aeronautical engineering, and then I went to flight school, and then I went to Vietnam, and after a Navy career of some 28 years, I started working as a commercial airline pilot, and I was a complete left-brained empiricist. Uh, If something could not be explained with a mathematical formula using classic Newtonian physics, to me, it just didn't exist. Um, But I've learned a lot since then, and much of what I've learned, I've learned from animals. I've learned that animals are sentient, intelligent beings. They have thoughts, they have feelings, they have emotions, they have a sense of purpose, and they want to talk to us. And we can all learn to talk to them. Every human being has the ability to engage in two-way communications with animals. It's something we're born with. Now, the most of us, we suppress that as we grow up and learn spoken language. We start thinking, you know, that's this is all there is. We just talk to our people. But that ability is always there, and every one of us can relearn how to do it. Who believe me, you? believe what? me. If I can relearn how to do it, anybody can relearn how but to Gerald, do it. But Gerald, who taught you? What? Tell us about the cat. We want to hear about that. <laughs> Oscar the cat came into my life completely out of the blue. Um, we travel a lot, and we had no indication that we wanted no longing for pets at all. Uh, my other daughter, you mentioned Robin, but my other daughter, Trace Simmons, is a volunteer at a rescue organization, called up one Friday afternoon and said, I've got this stray cat. I need to find a place for him just for the weekend. Can you just take him for the weekend? And we said, sure. Uh, that was 10 years ago, and Oscar is still in our house. Oh, <laughs> so, wow. Wow. <laughs> he's an amazing being. But he connected to me at a heart level, and I can't explain that unless you've actually had it happen in your own experience. But there was something about that magical cat that just said, I'm real, I'm Oscar. Mm -hmm. And so we made the decision, (laughs) I think maybe I made the decision, and and Catherine was willing to go along with it, to uh, have Oscar stay with us. And through that, we got a companion cat for him, another cat. And then about a year later, we considered having a third cat come. And we were kicking that around. What would these two cats think about, or what would, how would it work? Would it, would it work out? And uh, one of the ladies at the rescue house said, well, let's get a communicator, and we'll ask them what they would think about it. And I got to say, I actually physically rolled my eyes <laughs> and said, a communicator? This woman communicated with our cats to find out how they would feel about having another cat join our family. And I was so stricken by how accurate her indication, her sense of the cats was. You know, she described their personalities perfectly, what her house looked like. She had not seen her house and she had not seen her cats. She was doing this remotely. And she was so perfect in that. I said, this is amazing. What a gift you had, you have. And she said, no, that's not a gift. It's something we all have. Anybody can learn to do this. And whenever I hear something like that, there's a ring in the back of my head, there's a challenge. (laughs) Not me, not everybody can learn to do this. She said, oh yeah. So I took that as a a mission and I started reading about animal communication. I started going to seminars. I took some lessons from some very good teachers and I practiced a lot. And eventually I started getting pretty accurate at it and continued to do it. So that's how I got into the how many readings have you done? Can you estimate? Oh, well over a thousand. I don't know exactly. What, so what kind of, which animals have you connected with? I mean, dogs, cats? Primarily birds? it's dogs and cats, but there are some birds that I've talked to, and I've talked to multiple species because we travel a lot and go a lot of places. I talked to a snake that was crossing my path where I hike and ask him to move, and he did. And I've talked to gnats that fly in my face when I'm hiking and ask them to leave, and they do. But the primary animals I talk to are dogs and cats. I've talked to some birds. I've talked to horses. Uh, When we've gone on safari, we've talked to giraffes and elephants and hippopotamuses and all animals. All animals are intelligent beings, and they have thoughts and feelings. They have a sense of purpose. They have a sense of who they are. It's a wonderful, wonderful world out there once we open our minds. And, you know, you're able to communicate with those who have passed, you know, the Rainbow Bridge, but also the ones who are in this life, right? Yes, that's correct. All all beings are energy beings. And when we see an animal pass away, or a human for that matter, we can see the physical body go away, but the spirit and the energy never goes away. It's always there. And frequently people will ask me to talk to their animals who have passed. And animals that 
leave our lives after we've lived with them for some period of life, mm -hmm. for some period of time in life, it is more difficult for humans to lose a pet than it is for anything else, even family members, even even spouses or children, uh, because we have such a connection of unconditional love with our pets mm -hmm. that we don't always have with other human beings. We have such a connection of living in the now. We have such a connection of starting to understand the oneness of all life and the spirituality of all life that when, when our pet goes away, um, it for some is just so crushing, it's such a loss. But the good news is we can start to realize they don't really leave the universe, they're still there in spirit. And I've talked with animals who are in spirit and they're able to send word back to their humans I'm okay. <laughs> Everything's all right. I'm here with you. I'm with you all the time. And that's a wonderful thing to be able to do to share that information. When people come to you, I guess they go on they go online, right? Usually they email you at your your website and they reach out to you, which we have on social media. Let's say, you know, they lost a dog and they they're grieving and they want to connect. What happens next? When I am asked to talk with an animal, I always ask the person to send me a photo. Uh, that I can put on my computer screen. I use that for my own focus. I ask them to send me a picture of the animal. I ask them to send me a list of questions they would like to ask or statements they would like me to make in their behalf. And I use that information when it's time to connect with the animal. I will go into a bit of a meditative state in front of my computer screen. I focus on the animal and I have a piece of paper and a pen sitting right at my hand. So after I've focused on the animal for a bit, I send out a beam of energy from my heart to their heart. And by the way, this type of talk 20 years ago, <laughs> I'd be rolling my eyes. <laughs> but I do it now and I know it works. I know it works. Uh, and by the way, I subtitled my book uh, into the quantum field. Uh, quantum energy is how I have realized this all works. It's not woo-woo, airy-fairy. It's hard science. It's scientifically provable. Anyhow, getting back to the question of how I communicate, I send this beam of energy to the animal, and while I'm sending that beam, then I start to process questions or statements or things like that, and I write down everything. I write down what I say, and I write down the response I get from the animal right away, and I keep that going throughout the whole conversation. Then at the end of the conversation, I'll thank the animal, I'll send a last beam of energy and wrap that animal in a cloud of energy and say thank you, and we'll end the conversation. Then at some point later, I'll call the human and I'll read what the conversation was. When you communicate with the animals, do you hear a voice? Do you do you see them? I mean, how do you? What's your input? What what do you feel or sense? That is such a terrific question because that's part of the learning process. What I hear, and I'm doing air quotes for the people on radio that can't see, what I hear sounds like my own voice, sounds like my own self-talk. So all humans have self-talk. We have voices going on in our heads all the time, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> when I talk to an animal, I can ask a specific question and I get a thought back and that thought that comes back sounds like it's my own self-talk, sounds like I made it up. Uh, but I'm writing it down as I go. It's, for those who have heard the term automatic writing, that's about what it is. Right. There's a pad there and a pencil there, and I'm just scribbling away as fast as I My can My medium go. friends have done that. Uh, Suzanne Giesman, who was on our first show, who's a medium for Great. human spirit, yeah. she will meditate, and then she starts writing in pen and writes very quickly, and the messages flow, and you don't know. And, you know, as you mentioned that, what comes to mind, I had an episode, well, it happened to me about nine years ago. My husband and I were in Indiana. We were actually going to an Amish farm we were talking to the the guys who were doing our our hard or were actually doing our uh, cabinetry and they were farmers but they were also pig farmers and they were the guy was very proud he wanted to show us his pigs and so they showed us the sows and the and the their piglets and then they opened another part of the barn and the gilt the the, the virgin pigs who you know or have never had any uh, baby pigs he opened them up and they were beautiful i mean they showed it to me and there were about 30 of them and they were all looking at me and i felt such tremendous guilt cuz i looked at my husband and said oh my gosh they know i eat bacon every morning <laughs> i ate their uncle and i felt so guilty they had the 
this innocent look and I just felt it. And so for two months, I could not eat bacon. I swear, I could not eat bacon. But, good, good for you. But it was the sense that <laughs> the sense and then, uh, but has, it sounds like you've changed as a person, right? Through oh, your tremendously. What tremendously. have they taught you? Well, they've taught me so much more about the oneness of all life. Um, before I became an animal communicator, like many humans, I think many humans tend to think of animals as just being stuffed toys mm -hmm. or toys or tools or there for human use. And I have learned so much about how intelligent animals are and how they have a sense of purpose, how they have a sense of being that we're all one in this world. We're all sharing the planet together. And we have to realize we're sharing the planet together. And, and that's how we're going to save the planet, by starting to realize we're all one, we're all together. And as I put on the back of my book, the mission of Oscar and myself is to make the world a better place for all of its inhabitants. Because uh, I think humans tend to look down on animals and think they're inferior beings. Well, what? when we insult people, we call them animals, right? Yeah, we do. You know, I, I think of what you say in, in your book, you, you share the dialogue you use when you talk to the animals. You, you do so in a respectful, polite way. You ask permission. Yeah. And you're, you're thankful. And, and I think, my goodness, nowadays if people can treat each other humans like, like the way you communicate to, with your animals in yeah. a very pleasant, gentle, unthreatening way. Yeah. Uh, do animals gossip? <laughs> do they, I mean, what do they, I mean, what kind of, what are things concerning them? The things concerning animals frequently are their humans. Oh. Well, how their humans are doing and how they're reacting to things. In fact, some of the communications I've had have been with animals that are supposedly having trouble. Mm. Uh, that's what their human tell me, your humans tell me. Um, Lucy is over-grooming herself and she's licking her fur down to her skin, make her stop. So, uh, and when I communicate with an animal like that, the first thing I do is communicate with a human and say, mm -hmm. get her to the vet first. Because animal communicators are not vets. We don't do veterinary medicine, we don't, uh, we don't uh, diagnose. And the second thing I told her was, we don't make animals do anything. We're not here to force animals to do stuff, we're here to converse with them and see what their opinions are. So I talked with Lucy, and Lucy was licking, she was so nervous, she was licking her fur down to the skin because her human was treating her uh, in a manner that made her think your human didn't love her. Mm. She said, I don't think Margaret likes me. Sometimes she shouts at me and sometimes she ignores me and sometimes she just is over uh, affectionate to me and I never know what's going on and it makes me really nervous. So in talking with Lucy, I, I relayed that information to Margaret and Margaret starts to think, wow. I didn't realize Lucy was that intelligent that she could be affected by me. And wow, I guess I've got a lot going on in my life. I am kind of stressed out. I'm, she had problems at work. She had problems with her family. She had problems in her social life. So she began to realize that, that she had work to do. So Margaret started working on her own self and Lucy became her teacher. And Lucy helped her see a different way of looking at life. So those are the types of things where animals are so valuable to us, I believe. And now you work with Catherine, your wife, a lot with these seminars, and Catherine as well has learned to communicate with the animals, right? Yes, I have. You now, what have you two, are you, how do you do that as a team? Do you also communicate in your own way and communicate with Gerald with them? or? Well, each animal with whom we communicate is done individually by us. So we do work together in presenting the seminars and workshops. But when we are individually talking with an animal, we each do that separately. You know, what, what impresses me, too, is that working with animals and your respect for them, their life, their energy forms, has really changed the way you eat, right? Yes, we've become vegetarian. Right. Because right. Uh, I don't want to eat my friends. Right, right. <laughs> it's a but, smart way. <laughs> and the, being vegetarian is so helpful to the planet in general because it just, the ecological disaster that is in the meat industry and things like that, to us, are not, not worth the cost. And um, I just... I can't get myself to eat an intelligent, sentient being. You know, because of your respect for them has been incredible. Yeah. And then you wrote your book. How long did it take to write the book? It took uh, probably about a year and a half. If I were a better writer, maybe it would have been less than <laughs> that. But uh, it was a matter of 
trying to prioritize things of what I wanted to put in there because there's so much I've learned and so much to say uh, to try and condense that into a form that's readable that isn't um, going to go on and on and on uh, was the challenge and Catherine did most of the editing on it as as I would write chapters uh, she would look them over and and uh, and make them read right <laughs> Now, when people want to reach out to you, let's say they, you know, I asked when I first connected, I, do you charge people? What, what do you tell people for what you do for your readings for well, them? Well, I haven't been charging people. What I do is ask them, number one, to uh, make a donation to a rescue organization mm -hmm. of some sort uh, in, a man, in, a, in an amount they feel is appropriate in a, in a rescue organization they believe in. Um, so that's the, the cost. And then I ask people to buy my book so they can learn how to um, communicate with animals also. Wonderful. We're going to pause for a quick okay. break, three-minute break. We'll be back with Gerald Bunch, who is the author of Warrior to Whisper and an animal communicator with his wife, Catherine. And in studio, we have Ananda Roberts, CEO of InFocus here in Phoenix. That's headquarters. But also, importantly, is the proud human to Emerson and the deceased, sweet little Indiana. And uh, Gerald's been able to communicate. So stand by for more from House Calls with Dr. Connie. Think you've seen everything there is to see in online television? Let us surprise you. Visit voiceamerica.tv today for sports, health, business, and more on demand 24-7. Are you ready to live younger, longer? Andrew and Aaron Stevens with Apply Everyday Health are partnered with a 100-year-old company to help you build health through natural approaches. Our scientists believe that the key to a healthy lifestyle lies within nature. By using ingredients proven to be safe and effective, our products provide nutrition guaranteed to change your life in a positive way. To find out how you can get the same top-of-the-line vitamins taken daily by Olympic athletes, astronauts, and the White House doctor herself, visit applyeveryday.com. Who's your doctor? When I was looking for a doctor, I thought, which person gets the best care of all and whose doctor's credentials are the most carefully reviewed? Well, the answer was obvious. Who looks after the President of the United States? My doctor is the doctor who is taking care of three presidents and their families, Dr. Connie Mariano. I've heard about her. She's board certified in internal medicine and has been practicing medicine for over 30 years. She was at the White House for over nine years and traveled everywhere with the president. Dr. Connie is available to me 24 hours a day, seven days a week by email, cell phone, or Skype. And when I see her in her private office in Scottsdale, she and her staff always treat me like I'm the president. I I'm going to call her office now and join her practice. Dr. Connie Mariano, this is the doctor American presidents and their families have trusted with their lives, and I trust you with mine. For information about Dr. Connie Mariano's private practice, you need to visit drcmariano.com. For so many years, adults and teens have experienced a breakdown in communication. It doesn't have to be like this. Listen for Tools for Teen Transformation with Lily Williams. Coach Lily and her guest will tackle subjects like bullying, self-esteem issues, teen pregnancy, substance abuse, and more. It's all about getting teens and the adults in their lives to think differently. You could save a teen's life. Tune in every Tuesday at 10 a.m. Eastern and 7 a.m. Pacific on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. You can like and comment on the Voice America Empowerment Channel Facebook page. This is the place to get and share advice from some of the best leaders on the planet. Get started today by searching for Voice America Empowerment or click the like button under the player today. Follow us on Twitter for more great ideas at Voice America Empowerment. tuned in to House Calls with former White House physician, Dr. Connie Mariano. If you have a question or comment for our show today, please call in to 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. You may also send an email to drconnieradio at gmail.com. That's drconnieradio at gmail.com. Now, back to House Calls with Dr. Connie. 
Welcome back to our October show where we're focusing upon the power of pets and how they are such a wonderful influence in our life. And we have Gerald Bunch in studio with his wife, Catherine Bunch from California, and he's talking about animal communication. And one of the things he's been able to do is communicate with many of my friends. There, there are animals that have passed on. So I got a quick question for you. What do General Motors CEO Mary Barra and Facebook's Sheryl Sandberg have in common with our next special guest, Ananda Roberts, CEO of Focus Solutions in Phoenix? Well, all these women are high achieving, have very busy schedules, tremendous responsibilities, and busy, hectic lives. They've started their own companies or run their companies and have risen to the top of their fields. But most important, I think, for this show, all three women CEOs are huge canine fans. Mm -hmm. They have dogs, they love their dogs, and they often attribute their success and their sanity in large part to their dog's companionship. I have known Ananda Roberts for over 17 years. She's a good friend, she's a woman I admire. She founded her company in Focus Solutions, which is the leading provider of performance management and outcome measurements to the public sector. Her clients include the U.S. Army, cities, states, public education, community-based organization. She's been an entrepreneur since her early 20s. I keep telling her to write her book because she made a great book. So, Ananda, thanks for being here today. Thanks for having me. Tell me about, tell us about how has having a dog, a pet, changed your life? First, I want to thank you and Gerald for your service in the Navy to our country. And um, it's so interesting that you would end up, Gerald, uh, talking to animals uh, and enjoying it. Um, dogs have changed my life by, I think dogs especially are God's purest expression of unconditional love. Human love is conditional at, you know, some point uh, it's conditional and, and they're, they're so pure in what they're willing to give, and they're always willing to give. Mm -hmm. Now you've had, as a CEO of your company, you mentioned about <coughs> your dogs, that you bring them to work. How's that, how that affected what you do, or the work life? How's that worked out for you? Well, Indiana passed away a year ago, and she was about two weeks shy of her, or I'm sorry, two months shy of her uh, 16th birthday. So when she was a puppy, we would take her into work, and you would find it's a software firm, so you have you know support calls coming in. You walk back and look at the people offering telephone support to our clients, and they'd have Indiana on their lap, and they'd be patting her. It was very soothing to them. Um, so I, I think it's just a good, healthy reminder, right? You just you see a dog, and it just warms your heart. So. Were there ever people that your dogs did not like or didn't yes. warm up to? <laughs> yeah, and that's always an interesting indicator, especially during interviews, right? Really? Um, yeah. Um, Emerson, particularly, who um, is Indiana's brother, and he's going to be 16 in a couple of weeks. Um, yeah, he. I had an assistant once, and every time she would walk in my office, he would chase her out. <laughs> she was afraid of him. He's a Jack Russell. I mean, he's yeah. not... You know, he's not horribly scary, but oh boy, he would go after her. She was terrified of him. When you lost Indiana a year mm -hmm. and a half ago, how did you cope? You know, it's it's uh, it's still, um, uh, you have so many memories of everything, right? For uh, 16 years, she was a part of every day um, of, of our lives, and so, um, you you learn that you know obviously life goes on and, and you have to keep moving forward but there's always that place in your heart that it's an empty think, space yeah. yeah yeah and then when you reached out to Gerald how did that go with you what happened with that well he was kind enough he and Catherine were leaving on a cruise out of I think Miami and you were going into the Caribbean he was kind enough to be communicating with me through all of that. And uh, so I sent a picture of Indiana and I sent a picture of Emerson and then a list of questions. And then when he got back from the cruise, he reached out to me and read the transcripts from talking to Indiana and Emerson. And one of the most interesting things that I think he said was, Indiana, you know, you said, oh, she's a little, um, um, she's she can be very indignant, right? She's very <laughs> she was very to the point about everything she did and wanted and and um, and she said to Gerald, well, 
Emerson and I talk all the time. I thought that was so interesting. I never thought about, you know, the two of them continuing. I never really thought about them communicating when they were, you know, when they were both living. And so um, I think about that a lot now, you know. I look at Emerson and I think, oh, and I don't know how that communication looks between the two of them, but I think about it a lot. I think, oh, I wonder if Indiana's sitting with him right now or chatting with him or, you know, however that went for the two of them. Um, so uh, it was a really, it was, it was nice to feel that she's still in the house all the time. Did you, when you were listening to Gerald give you the information about the reading, were you pretty certain this was Indiana? This is really my dog. The first thing that he did was describe her personality and he said, is that right? Does that sound mm -hmm. like Indiana? The one thing he said about Indiana um, that I recall from our conversation that was spot on, she used to love, and she was a little Jack Russell also, she used to love to come and stick her rear end up in the air and right above her tail just have you scratch. And we used to call it a tushy rub. <laughs> and you actually, when you said, Indiana, is there something that you miss, something you'd you know, love to have, and you said, Indiana said, oh, I really would love a tushy rub. Right? <laughs> <laughs> and I thought, you know. I, exact we, words. Yeah. yeah. Oh, my goodness. Mm -hmm. So you knew. that That's my dog. Mm -hmm. that, is there anything else you'd like to know from her right now? Just, mm. Are you pretty happy with the things that have turned out? Yeah. I mean, it's, you know, I would love to... You know, have her come back and show up at my front door. She Aww. and Emerson both as little babies again, yeah. Yeah. puppies. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You know, Gerald, I was going to ask you: Do animals know when they're about to pass? Yes, they do. They know. Uh, they have a good sense of it. Of course, if it's a sudden death, like being hit by a car, or maybe even by a coyote or something, right? Uh, they don't know that. But uh, I've talked to several animals that were getting close. Uh, matter of fact, I've had humans call me and say, um, my dog is looking really old and I think it might be time and could you talk to her and mm -hmm. see what she thinks? Mm -hmm. And I would talk to the animal. One was just so touching to me, it brought tears to my eyes, as a matter of fact. Her name was Abby and she said, uh, well, really, I'm kind of hurting and I'm really ready to go, but if I go, mm -hmm. my guy is going to be so sad, I don't know what he's going to do. Oh. And I'm thinking, wow, that was, what emotion. So I yeah. said, well, Abby, um, when it's time, are you going to want some assistance? Do you just want to go off by yourself? And she said, no, I'd like it. I'd like some assistance. That'd be fine. Mm -hmm. And I said, but you're not ready now. And she said, no. I'm not ready now. I'm, I'm real close, but I just need a little more time. Mm -hmm. I said, well, how is Tom going to know when you're ready? Mm -hmm. And she said, well, when I don't want to go on my walk. When he said, let's go on a walk, and I go off someplace and lie down, that's going to let him know that I'm ready. So she was very aware that it wow. was her time, and she's wow. very, rare, very aware that it, she had a hand in it. And what was so meaningful to Tom, her person, was that he did you can't erase the grief from something like that, and, and you can't alleviate the pain. But for so many of we humans, we can alleviate the guilt. Right. Because he can look and say, well, she knows. Right. And I'm not making the decision single-handedly. And, and she knows what's going on. You and, did the right thing. And Yeah. yeah, and, yeah. and we can handle this very well. And, of course, uh, the human called me back three or four months later and said, C could you see how she's doing on the yeah. other side? Yeah. <laughs> but still, you love them so much and you don't want them to suffer. And, but it shows you how thoughtful and how kind. And... You know, and how much love they have how for much us. love they have her for you. big concern was her person would be so sad when she left yeah that's that, it, her suffering forget her own suffering she yeah, worried about her own ex human exactly you know I think at Emerson she said turned 16 this month yeah he will you know how, how are you gonna celebrate and I, I always wonder you know Emerson has nine lives what is how do you tribute I mean you obviously are, are good parents to Emerson but why do you think your dog has lived this long um, I wish they could live a, <laughs> a lot longer um, we do take really good care of them and Gerald I had asked that question about Emerson um, because of traveling I want to make sure that I'm with him and um, I said does he have any sense of you know when um, he's he he is going to go and he um, told you that he goes you know my people were so upset when we lost Indiana, then I'm just trying to hang in there. So that I know. 
and so that seems like seems like Emerson. You yeah. know that that he would yeah. want that to, to make things easier for us. Um, so I don't know what we'll do on his birthday this year, but um, celebrate his birthday. If somebody went to you and said, "Ananda, you're a busy CEO," I mean, and they were thinking of getting a, a dog or a pet or a cat, what would you advise them? What would you tell them to do? Um, that, as Gerald says, they are living beings, and so um, I think you can't just shut the door and walk out. You know, my experience with Indiana and Emerson is so different than dogs that I had when I was growing up. They really were pets, right? The day I would leave, I wouldn't feel, think twice about going out and the dog's home alone on a Friday night, right? Um, when you're in high school and, and growing up. And um, the experience is very different. So I think the willingness to not be selfish uh, about how you're going to take care of that animal, um, being willing to um, to understand they do have feelings and they have no greater need, thank you, no greater need than to be with you. And so if you're not going to put the time into that relationship, I would say don't even go there. Right, right. You know, they deserve more than that. Exactly, exactly. Any advice you would give for, for people who want to communicate? Obviously the best way to learn is to is to read your book, go to your seminars, but you know, do we we all have that gift? Gerald? We all have the ability to communicate with animals, to engage in two-way communication. However, we don't have to engage in two-way communication with animals in order to enhance everybody's life. If we just realize that when we communicate with animals, they are hearing us. They're understanding us. So what we have to do is make sure we're communicating to them in a manner that is helpful to them. And the, probably the key item here is to realize that animals do not understand negative terms. Mm. We want to always talk to animals with positive statements and give them positive statements of behaviors we want. So for instance, if your dog is jumping up on people and you want to change that behavior, we don't say don't jump on people. What we say is keep your paws on the floor. Right. <laughs> Give us something we, positive, not no. We tell them what we want instead of telling them, uh, you know, don't do that because they don't hear the don't. If we say to your cat, don't scratch the furniture, the cat hears scratch the furniture. <laughs> <laughs> so as responsible cat owners, we have to have scratching posts around and say, use your scratching post. And they'll know to do that. Uh, so we have to be realizing that we are communicating with animals all the time. If you have an animal in your home, you are communicating with that animal. And then if you realize that you can understand animals, if you really put your mind to it and try, uh, you can start to interpret what they're saying and get an idea what they want. Um, you know, you can, I think just about everybody who has an animal living at home knows when their animal wants to eat. Right, right. They don't <laughs> have to say it. They you don't have it. to say it because they'll be in front of you sending you the message. And, and you might be picking that up saying, oh, it's five o'clock, so he wants to eat. Well, that might be true too, but you're picking it up because he's telling you it's time to eat. Give me the food. So that's the type of thing we need, we, you know, want to strive to be aware of when we have a pet. I am so grateful to you because it really opens up a whole different field for me and, and appreciating animals. I We're winding down the show now. We're going to close pretty soon, but I want to thank you, Gerald. I want to call you Dr. Bunch. Gerald Bunch, <laughs> animal <laughs> communicator for those pet lovers out there. Please go online to, to order a Warrior to Whisper by Commander Gerald Bunch, who will teach you a, a, his story about animal communications. Thank you, Catherine, for being here. Thank you, Ananda Roberts. Be. You know, if we can only learn from our animals about being positive, respectful, living in the now, I think in a lot of ways we'd be, become better humans. Oh, absolutely. No question about that. Well, thank you all for listening in, and you all have a wonderful month. Thank God you, bless. Dr. Connie. Thank you. Thank you again for joining us this week for House Calls with Dr. Connie Mariano. We'll be back next Thursday at 7 p.m. Eastern Time, 4 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Have a terrific week.